We are so glad to get to be here with you today at Trinity Church. This is my son, Jackson, and he's actually going to be helping us today in this message as we bring to you on this Resurrection Day. Jackson, it's kind of cool, via the incredible realities of technology, you're two places at once yep. today. Yep. You're doing a spoken word for your church up in the Sacramento area, and then you're here with us. So we're really stoked for that. We'll hear from you in a little bit. We want to welcome you today on this Easter Sunday. Like we've said a couple times today, an Easter Sunday, unlike any you have ever experienced before, unlike anything we've ever experienced before, but within that, we are so glad that you're here with us. So glad that you're taking time on this resurrection day to be able to be encouraged, to be reminded of God having the power to raise the dead. And my hope is before we're done today, you would recognize how God wants to raise what's dead in you. So we're excited to dive in and look at his word together. You join us as we're in a series today called A People Prepared, Deploying God's People into uh, Fearful Lives. This is what we've been looking at over the last few weeks getting ready for Easter. And this tagline has been so important to us about our people being deployed into the lives of those in their neighborhoods and in their communities. I have a couple examples. We've been calling them Yay God Moments. These are examples of our friends, the Pulliams and the Fishers, who have just taken some opportunities to say, we want to connect with our neighbors. We want to be people who demonstrate love. We want to demonstrate help. Their contact information's here. How can we be helpful to you in a season of a lot of uncertainty? And I love hearing these stories. I want to also tell you that in this time, it's been challenging. Uh, most of our staff has been able to work from home and, and really do a great job providing all the things that we do weekly to support and minister to the people of Trinity Church. But there have been some teams that have been struggling to just be able to have a, a role, like our facilities team is one of those. And I want to tell you, I love this line that we have been sharing, especially throughout these last few weeks, that when you don't just give to Trinity, you give through Trinity. And one of the concerns that I know that we all have is for our local community and how needs are being met. I want to give you a great example. Walker Riley is on our facilities team, and this is a picture that Walker took this last week. Uh, there's a group in town called RCRC that relates to resources that they get into the city of Redlands. They had a need that Walker did some research and found out about, about just basically moving up an easy up structure around town uh, daily for lunches that they're able to hand out to people who are in need right now. And this is what a picture of what Walker did this last week. We are paying Walker's paycheck as he's ministering in the community. And we absolutely love that. And we just say, yay God, for an opportunity like that. Well, what we're going to do today is that we're continuing in this series uh, of what it means to be this people who have been um, deployed into their world. We've been looking at the words of 1 Peter, and, and what 1 Peter has shared is that he shared these words related to what it means to be a scattered exile. And he's been talking to a group of people, we've kind of realized that we're scattered all over what is modern-day Turkey, and these people had put their faith in Jesus, and as a result, 
now Peter's writing to encourage them. He's writing to help them understand, hey, you know what? I want to give you encouragement. I want to give you a hope and understanding what you're putting your faith in today for what's going to be realized tomorrow. The main themes of what he's talked through so far, just to catch you up in our series, is he's talked to these people about the idea that because of the living hope that Jesus has provided through their rebirth, that they have this inheritance waiting for them. And in the meantime, how they're supposed to live is a group of people living by genuine, proven faith as they continue to lean forward and live as a people who are holy, imitating their father just like who he is, and as a result, they live these set apart for a purpose lives as they await their faith to be made sight. So we dive in today on this Easter Sunday, and we're going to talk about this incredible thing that our, our text is going to show us, that God indeed has the power to raise the dead. And in doing so, what I want to say from the very beginning of our time today, I would want you to hear clearly from me that there's gonna be an opportunity before we're done today for you to respond to this incredible love, this incredible power that God has in what we call the gospel, an opportunity to respond to that even today, even in your living room. And I wanna prepare you for that because that opportunity will be yours in just a short time. Every week we talk about what we call a now what statement. Here's that statement for today. This is what we wanna walk away with, not just knowing but do this week. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you when you put your faith and hope in him. Men, hear that today. This same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you when you put your faith and hope in him. Here's our first point today, what we're looking at. Number one, God's power provided the reason why you can have faith and hope in him. God's power provided the reason why you can have faith and hope in him. By the way, if you notice, we've been talking, I just want to derail for a second, about some of our QR codes. You'll note on my different screens on my PowerPoint today, we have those three QR codes that are going to keep circulating through. You can just bring your phone up to that, or if you're on your phone, take a picture of it, and then go and look at that later on in your photos, and you'll see these three QR codes for if you're new, if you need prayer today, or if you want to give online, all of those will take you to the appropriate site, so keep your head up for those. Let's take a look at this first point, and here's where we're at in 1 Peter chapter 1. We've been asking you to read aloud with me from home, so let's do that. Get ready to read out loud with me, 1 Peter 1.21, here we go. Through Jesus, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and hope are in God. This is our first point today of kind of where we're going. What we saw last Friday night, if you were with us at our Good Friday service, you saw that Peter talked about this incredible cross that was used in order to make us right with uh, God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We saw that he, he had this precious, valuable, unique blood that made us, made the ability for us to be right, this spotless, unblemished lamb of God given in your place. So that's what we celebrated a couple days ago on Good Friday, that Jesus makes Good Friday good because he makes a way for you to be right with the Father. Today we talk about this empty tomb and this idea of being, this power of being raised from the dead and glorified, and that's what we're going to look at. This passage has 
two of the big themes we've seen so far at the end, it said, so that your faith and hope are in God. Those have been two huge issues throughout the book of 1 Peter so far. And what we've seen is, is that this hope is established for them as they put their faith in Jesus, that this hope awaits them, that they one day are gonna be reunited with him. And as we'll see today, with a brand new body made like him. Uh, what I want you to see today in, that, in this process, I want you to realize that the author of this book was Peter. Peter, one of the 12 disciples, one of the eyewitnesses that for three plus years walked with Jesus, heard from Jesus, saw his miracles, heard the teaching. These were things that he interacted with. So he says, based on my eyewitness account, I want you to know these things. Now, the thing that Peter's going to help us with today, and that you'll read at the end of all four of the gospel accounts, is that Peter also was an eyewitness to Jesus raising from the dead. Peter interacted with the risen Jesus, and this Jesus who came to present himself as Messiah fulfilled every prophecy in the Old Testament in the former covenant, and in doing so, did what even blew their minds, even beyond that, was not only killed, but raised from the dead on the third day. And what Peter promotes from the very beginning today is that he wants you to know that Jesus never came and presented himself as a prophet, never came and presented himself as a good teacher, never came and presented himself as merely a preacher of morality. Jesus came and made himself known that he was fully God and fully man. No one like him ever before. And, and here's the wildest of all miracles. What we see is that Jesus, as he lived this life, presented himself to be this long-awaited Messiah, not just for Israel, but for the world. On the third day, this power we're talking about today raised him from the dead. And he didn't stay dead, but with a new body resurrected, indestructible, to ever have to be suspect or susceptible to death again. This is this Jesus. And what I want to make sure that you hear today is that you heard what I just said. I want to make sure that you understand that I just said that Jesus was more than a religious teacher. Jesus was more than someone who had really great quotable moments. Jesus, the very Son of God, bore your debt on the cross, and as a result was raised to power on the third day and now lives forever. I want you to hear that because if you're new to this Jesus thing, then right now you're thinking to yourself, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. I mean, come on, who has ever heard of anything like that, of someone dying and then being raised back to, death, to life? And even if that could happen, being raised with a new body that could never be killed again. That, that sounds like crazy talk. And I want you to hear from me today. If you're thinking that right now, you're in good company. There's a lot of people who think the same thing. How in the world could that be true? You heard Michael open up our service today by telling you everything that we're sharing with you today is true. And I want you to know this. You might think that I'm, as I'm talking to you today through your computer screen, your phone, or your TV, you might think I'm nuts. You might think I'm crazy and that I've drunk the Kool-Aid, but I'm here to tell you this. I absolutely believe that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. I absolutely believe that Jesus not only did live, 
this sinless life, not only did give his life to you as a sacrifice on the cross, but that he was raised supernaturally, and not only raised, but had told his followers afterwards, I'm coming back for you. And your body, like we read in the end of 1 Peter, not only was Jesus' body raised in this new and glorious body, but so will his followers be as well. I want you to hear that today, because not only is that something that I believe, but more importantly, I want you to know that's what the church is built on. That hope and our faith in that hope is what everything is about. Everything changed at Easter. Take a look in your notes. You'll see this uh, in there. Jesus' followers are absolutely convinced that he rose from the dead. And it's because of his one-of-a-kindness that we rightfully do put our hope and faith in him because there has never been anyone like him, nor will there ever, has there ever been anyone like him since. I want you to know this is what our faith rests in. This is what our hope is about. It relates to the idea of what Jesus has done. And I want you to hear clearly from me today, no other religious leader has not only ever done this, but ever even said this. Never made claims to be God, to put his life on the line for you, to be raised from the dead and promised to come back. And for those who put their faith in him, that they would be his, adopted into his family, new bodies forever. Man, I want you to hear that today, this one-of-a-kind, unique Savior who made a one-of-a-kind, unique promise. That's what Easter's all about, and that's why we make such a big deal of it. And I want you to know what enabled all of this to take place in the first place was this almighty, all-encompassing, omnipotent power of God. Listen how the Apostle Paul says it in another letter. He was writing uh, to the church at Ephesus, and this is what he said. Read this out loud with me. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, and here's that theme again, to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and in his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. That power, and this is key today, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. We said today that the power of God is not only something that raised Jesus from the dead, but has the power to raise what's dead in you. And I want you to keep listening today. I told you earlier, we're gonna give you an opportunity to respond to this amazing invitation that's been given to you. But before we go any further, I want you to hear from Jackson today on the way that God gives us the power to know how deeply that we're loved. Thanks, Pops. Uh, what, up, what up, Trinity? Uh, good to be with you this Easter. Um, so here's what I want to do. I want to jump right into point two because uh, like we've been talking about this morning, we have a ton more truth to unpack this morning. So check this out. Point number two, uh, we have power to increasingly believe we are who Jesus says we are. The empty tomb is this uh, incredible catalyst to so much power that gets released because it's, it's the ignition of the Holy Spirit being released, this thing that, that gave 
gave Jesus the power that he had. It's the, it's the power that raised him from the dead. And now it's power released upon the earth to all of his believers, to all of his followers. And that power lives in you and me today. And so we're going to talk about how this power becomes really intimate. It's not just 2,000 years ago that this happens. The power becomes really intimate as it affects us today, as we now have the power to increasingly believe we are who Jesus says we are. So check this out. Let's jump further in Ephesians. In Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, it says this. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So check this out. This is Paul's prayer for the believers in Ephesus. Now, Paul is, I think, probably one of the most powerful people to have walked the earth in the spirit of God uh, apart from Jesus Christ, right? So Paul is this extremely powerful spiritual leader who's writing to these believers in Ephesus, and he pins this prayer for them. He says, this is actually what I have been specifically praying for you as believers, And here's the thing that bothers me, is that Paul, in all the power that he has in the Spirit, he's got a a great, like, audience with God, right? And so his prayers, I mean, I would count them as as weighty, what he has to say to God, and and I would would trust in it a lot, right? And so he comes before God, and his prayer is a little bit bothersome to me, because his prayer is, God, I want them to know and experience your love, but these are, these are people who already believe in Jesus. And to me, it seems redundant at this point. Like, Paul, aren't there better things that we could be praying for? Aren't there bigger things, bigger hopes that you could have for believers uh, about other things that they could do? right? Like, could you imagine if Paul said, Lord, I pray that you'd set them on fire to do all these crazy works so that more people would come to believe in you. I pray that that they would know more about you. I pray they would do more for you. I pray that the money would roll in there. I pray their giving would increase, their serving would increase, and their testimony, their witness to the people around them would increase. Like, those are all the things that we would pray right? If you were in Paul's shoes, you'd say, I want to see this grow. I want to see it get huge. I want to see people set on fire for Jesus. And it's not that Paul doesn't want those things, but it's something about the love of God that has completely changed his perspective. Because to me, when I think about the things that consume my prayers, if I were to guess about the things that consume your prayers, it has everything to do with doing, Our prayers, our focus, our spirituality has so much to do with what we can do, right? It's how we judge and critique ourselves constantly. Am I doing enough? Am I reading enough? Do I know enough? Am I serving enough? Am I giving enough? Fill in the things that I ought to be doing. And it's not just spiritually, right? It's the way, it's the way that the world works, right? Like, like people don't keep you on at your job if you stop doing, right? Uh, Your family will love you for so long, but if you just stopped doing things for them, at a certain point, they'd reach their threshold, right? Because everything is about doing. 
I've got to do and I've got to keep doing because the work isn't finished. And so my prayers become consistent of I, I need to do more. I want to do more. I need the power to do more. I need the power to conquer more. And it's all about what we can do. And because doing encapsulates so much of our lives, we have the propensity to think that Jesus cares most about what we can do. Because our assumption is just like retirement, if I do enough for long enough, then I get to just be right? If I do enough at my job for long enough, then I get to retire, then I get to be. We think it's the same with Jesus. If I do enough for Jesus long enough, then I will finally get to be with him. But see, we have it entirely backwards. It's being with Jesus that leads to doing for Jesus. It's not doing for Jesus that leads to being with Jesus. See, God's love has completely changed Paul's perspective. So his goal is not that the Ephesian believers would do more, but that they would get to be more in Jesus, that they would get to rest more in his love, that they would get to sit more in his love. Because the love of God, the love of God reveals the myth and the lies of doing. Because see, when I'm focused on what I can do, all that I've got to do for Jesus, all that I've got to do in life. When I'm focused on doing, it's all about me improving, me getting more efficient and streamlined so that I can do more and more and more, right? I don't want to do the same amount that I did yesterday. I want to do more today for Jesus. I want to do more in my job today. I want to do more, fill in the blank, right? I want to do more. And all of a sudden, the more that we focus on doing, the more my attention is on myself. It's the great myth of doing, the more that I seek to do, the more that the attention is on me. But see, this is the freedom and the reality of the love of Jesus is that he calls us to be. Because that's where the power is. Because the attention comes off of me. The attention comes off of what I can do. The attention comes off of what I'm capable of to who I get to be with See, it seems so completely backwards, but the gospel says in the, in, the, in the terms of sanctification, it's actually, don't do more, come and be with me, and I will supply the power for you to change, for you to grow, and for you to do things that you never thought possible. See, the love of Jesus says, I desperately want to be with you. This is a crazy reality. You couldn't do anything more to, to earn more being time with Jesus. The creator of the universe, the God who's spinning the cosmos in his very hands, has an open door policy with somebody as small as you. It says, hey, at any point that you want to be, I want to be with you. So I'll put down my work and I'll sit and I'll be with you because that's what I want. And you couldn't earn any more being time with me. I want to be with you all the time. This is the crazy reality of the love of Jesus is that he so desires to be with us, but we miss it because we want to do for him. Our intentions are in the right place, but if you look up, you might realize you've been trying to do so much for him. It's been months. It's been years since you've been with him. There's a difference. Being leads to doing. Doing doesn't lead to being. Doing distracts us from being. So here's what I want to do for a second. This is weird because we're not in the same room and it'd be easier for you to focus if you were. But if you just take a second and close your eyes. Just take a second and close your eyes. 
whatever work you have to do today, whatever things you have to accomplish, whatever Easter baskets you have to fill, whatever dishes are left in the sink right now, try to set them to the side of your mind. Here is the beautiful reality this Easter morning. God wants to be with you. He wants to be with you right now. You couldn't do a single thing to earn his desire to be with you. He just wants to be with you. You're enough. You couldn't do anything more to earn more love from him. He loves you right now without accomplishing all the things that you want to accomplish today, without accomplishing all the things that you want to accomplish in your life. He loves you right now as much as he ever will. And he wants to be with you so badly that when you believe in him, he's moved into you. He's ingrained with your very being. You can't separate him out of you now. He wants to be with you. Sit and be with him. It is a privilege and an honor to be with him this morning. What a special, special place we get invited into to be with our creator. There's nothing else in this life that will let you be without doing. He is the only thing that just wants to be with you. This is where the power is. This is where the power is. It's in being with him. If you thought, <laughs> if you thought that, that the devotionals that you have been doing were something that you could do for him so that you'd earn more time with him, it's the exact opposite. It's, a, it's an opportunity every day to get to be with him. You have the opportunity each and every day to get to tap into this power to be with him. And can I tell you this? The more time that you spend being with him, the more you'll realize that this is where the power is. It's not in the things that I can do for him. It's in the opportunity and the spaces that I get to be with him. It's in the opportunities and the spaces where my eyes get to get up off myself, up off my own problems, up off my small worries, and I, they get to be on him. It's in the space that I get to be with him. That's where the power is. The more that you realize that each stumble, each failure, and each falter in your life, you won't go directly to strategizing anymore. You won't go directly to how can I fix this? How can I do better? How can I be better next time? Instead, what you'll do is your eyes will start to look up to who you get to be with. Can you imagine after whatever the, the stumble is in your mind, when I say stumble, the first thing that comes to your mind, that thing that you wrestle with constantly, can you imagine if, if in, in response to a stumble in your life, instead of saying, how can I fix this? How can I work on myself? Your eyes actually lifted up off of yourself and said, no, I, I, I can't fix it. I just need to be with him. I need to be with him. Because that's where the power is. That's the only place that can fix anything. That's where I need to be. 
The more that you start to be with him, the more his voice will become clear to you. And here's what happens. Each time we stumble, each time we falter, his voice starts to say things that don't feel like they could be true at all. His voice says things like, you're holy, (laughs) you're righteous, you're a son or a daughter, you're a friend of mine, you're beloved, you're precious, you're mine. And you're like, Lord, did you not just see what just happened? Like, that couldn't be more backwards But as you spend more time being with him and you hear his voice saying things that don't even feel like they could be true, what starts to happen is you increasingly begin to believe that you are who he says you are. You see, that's how being flows into doing. If you're wanting to live as though you are who he says you are, it starts by being with him. And as his voice speaks over you, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are to me. You're holy. You're beloved. You're righteous. You're mine. I want a relationship with you. I want to be near to you. I want to be with you, even though there's nothing you could do to earn that. That's how valuable you are to me. As your value in his eyes, as you begin to see your value in his eyes, not in your own, not in what you can do, not in your works, but as your value is in being with him, then you will start to live as somebody who is valuable. You'll start to live as somebody who's holy, somebody who's righteous. Why? Because I was just with him and he told me. I was just with him. That's where the power is. So I'd encourage you to take a few more moments today when you get a chance. Spend some time being being with him in the midst of doing for him. My dad's going to come up and finish the last point here. Thank you, bud. You can tell why I wanted Jackson to be a part of our Easter celebration today. So what you've heard today is the idea that through Jesus and what God has done in raising him from the dead, you have reason to be able to put your hope and faith in him. What you've heard today is that because of when you respond to God and his spirit is alive in you, you have the ability to be with him and to know the depths and grasp how much he loves you. That changes the way you understand yourself. And finally today, our final point is this. Jesus's power is what you're searching for most today. Jesus's power is what you're searching for most today. I want you to look at these words and I want you to see this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Philippi. And I want you to see, I don't think there could be more timely words in all of the Bible for what you're experiencing today than what he's gonna tell this church 2,000 years ago. Read these words with me from Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And watch, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform your lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Let me read that last part again. So who by the power that enables him, Jesus, to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I was thinking about uh, this particular day today, this message, and this third point changed 
uh, from months ago when we were beginning to think about our time together. You'll note at the beginning of what we just read, Paul and Peter have this similar idea. Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven, just like when Peter is writing to scattered exiles, they're not in their homeland yet. They're awaiting to be made right and be with Jesus forever. So they have this same posture that there's a waiting and, and things are not as they're going to be. But then he goes on to say, and he talks about, and I want you to catch this clearly today, I, I, I want you to see what it says that Jesus has the power to do. Two main things that we read. He has the power to bring everything under his control and to transform your lowly body into that being like his glorious one someday. Look in your notes. I just have a very obvious question for you today. Is there anything greater that you can desire in this particular season of your life? Where you are, Easter day, April the 12th, 2020, quarantined in your home. Is there anything you could want more in your life right now than to know that someone is in control and that this same someone can transform your lowly, virus-susceptible body into one that ultimately death will never be able to defeat? I cannot think of anything more that you're concerned about than the fact that somebody's in control and that somebody can change your body where death nor virus nor anything can ever defeat it again. This to me is what's so powerful about the Bible is that it's nothing that has somehow become antiquated, nothing that has become something we just set on the shelf and it's a great book of antiquity. It's something that is alive and powerful for our lives today. And the two biggest things we're wondering, is anyone in control of what is going on in the world today? And is there any hope for this body that I know is weak and fragile and easily susceptible to disease, is there anyone like that? I have great news for you. The Bible says Jesus is. Jesus is. So if you've ever had any question if the Bible is relevant for your life, if you've ever wondered what Jesus accomplished 2,000 years ago for you at the cross and how that can make a difference in your life, if you've ever wondered how you can live today with a kind of peace knowing that someone is in control, then I would say let these words from the word of God be something that brings deep encouragement to you today because you're ready to respond. You're ready to make them your own, looking to the only Savior who truly can save you. Because I'm a pastor, people have been coming to me in the last weeks and saying, Todd, what can all this mean? And I want you to hear clearly from me today what I've told to each of them individually. I said, until Jesus makes it clear to us what all this is leading to, I'd be a fool to speak up and say, I know what this is all about. But I, I do tell them there is one thing I am absolutely sure and certain of. He is absolutely getting our attention. He is absolutely putting us in a place where we are ready to listen, maybe like never before. I love this quote more than 70 years ago from C.S. Lewis. This is what he said. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse 
a deaf world. And I'd simply put before you today, have you been deaf? Have you been someone who is putting at arm's length this great love that Jackson talked about that God has for you? Have you been putting at arm's length the need that you have for the gospel because you just have said all your life, I've got this. Have you been putting at arm's length the fact that you thought there were a lot of other things you could anchor to that could make your life work and all of those anchors are coming undone? I have great news for you today. God is shouting to you in your pain. God is shouting to you in your confusion. God is shouting to you in your uncertainty. And the great news is he doesn't just shout. He shouts with an answer. You see, this is what happened. God at the very beginning created everything to be good. And in his creation created you to have a relationship with him that he invited you into the kind of love that Jackson talked about. That was always the thought, always the design but it was actually our very first ancestors who said, you know, God, thank you very much for all of this, but we're gonna do it our own way. And as a result of their defiance, as a result of them choosing their way over his, they plunged themselves and all of creation, including you and me, into the ravages of sin. You were born with a sin nature. I know you didn't ask for it, but you were born with this nature and with the behavior that's demonstrated that you do have a propensity to wanna to do it your own way, that you don't need God. And as a result, we all, we talked about it Friday night, we have all been infected with this virus called sin. The great news is, is that someone did something for us. Someone, there is a vaccine available. It begins by you, A, admitting that you're simply a sinner who needs a savior. B, it's in believing. Believing in this God-man Jesus that we've talked about today, who came and lived a sinless life. He was the only one who could take your sin at the cross, who could pay your debt. Believing that his sacrifice was made for you, that his sacrifice provided the cure that you need. And believe that he was raised supernaturally on the third day, what we celebrate today on Resurrection Sunday. And he did all of this for you. See is choose. Choose to say, Jesus, I know a lot of things or maybe few things about you, but like Jackson said today, I need to know you. I need to respond to what you've done for me. And it's not about what I can do for you. You've heard that really clear today. God, it's what you've done for me. And in faith, I put my trust, my confidence in what Jesus accomplished for me 2,000 years ago. I wanna lead you in a prayer right in your living room today where you can respond to this gospel, this good news that we've been talking about all through the service today. And it would just make sense that the day that you raise from the dead is the day that we celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for what you've done in my place. Thank you for the love that you have poured out for me. I need it. And I need what only you can do. I admit that I'm a sinner who needs a savior. I believe that Jesus is the only savior available. 
And today, see, I choose. I choose to put my faith in what you've done for me. Thank you. Thank you so much for loving me like this. I love you and I put my life in your hands. Everything that comes next, I'm gonna trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to watch a video of Maria sharing her story of the power of God that's changed her life. So I have my neighbors. We call we call each other Fravers now. We're the Fravers because we're friends and we're neighbors. <laughs> so um, my Fravers uh, had always invited us to come to church. Oh, you should come. And my daughter's in acting, and um, there was going to be the musical. So the musical was an opportunity for her to do some theater. Alyssa really enjoyed it. I was afraid that she wasn't going to be able to kind of connect with the other children because we've never attended church so this was like different and she enjoyed it so much that after the musical um, I remember her coming into the room and it's like mom, mom, are we gonna are we gonna go to to church today you know and I was like of course baby so every time we would come to church on Sundays I just I didn't want to leave I, I wanted to stay here. I just felt so peaceful. And then as I continued to come, my husband started to to come. You know, he and he had never attended church with me. We had been together for 19 years and he had never come to church. As we're coming and going through this new journey, that's when he decides, you know, he starts talking about us getting right with the Lord and getting our household right with the Lord. And part of that, us getting right, was us getting married, because that was not something that we had talked about in the 19 years that we had been together. <laughs> He's like, let's go get married. I've already been looking into this, so we can go to the courthouse. They have walk-ins, and I'm like, okay. Deep down inside, I was not wanting a courthouse wedding, but I was like, after 19 years, the courthouse has, you know, it's just as good, we gotta get right. So we get home and we tell the kids, okay, mom and dad are getting married. And they're like, no you're not. And I'm like, yes, we're getting married on Tuesday. And they're like, okay, why Tuesday? Because we're all off on Tuesday. Okay, and on Sunday for Father's Day last year, I come in and I talk to Jerry. <laughs> she told Pastor Todd, um, yeah, Chris and Maria getting married and he, you know, he came and congratulated us. And that afternoon, you know, she sends me a text from Pastor Todd saying, well, we're available on Tuesday. So on Tuesday, I'm getting married at four o'clock in the afternoon by Pastor Todd. <laughs> and it was Pastor Todd, Pastor Bill, there was Chris. My wedding went from having a courthouse setting to having an amazing Forest Falls out in the outdoors wedding. Because of my upbringings, I had some troubles trusting. You know, I, I just trusting. And how do you trust something you can't see, you can't touch, you can't hear? And. I feel like my wedding day is when he showed me. He showed me like, 
let go. Just let go. Trust in me. I think all I need to know is that he loves me. That's all I need to know. risen king. He is our redeemer. He redeems our lives. He redeems families, marriages. He is so, so good. He is worthy of all of our praise. So I encourage you to respond as we finish this, this, this service with this next song. And let's just give everything we have to Christ. In Christ alone my hope is found He is my light, my strength my song this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, where fears are still, when striving cease.
forever to the King of Kings. We want to thank you so much for joining us today for our Easter service 2020. It was different, but it was still worshipful to the Lord. We got into the word. We praised his name. I hope you have a blessed day. And I want to say a few things. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, we want to know about it. We want to encourage you to share that with someone. Share it with us. At the end of this service, there will be some links that you can follow to fill out a prayer request. And someone from our prayer team would love to reach out to you. You can also access that from our website and fill that out. We, we want to hear about that. We want to celebrate that with you and celebrate with all the angels in heaven that you are choosing to follow Christ. And if you have any other prayer requests, we want to encourage you to fill those out as well. And We would love to pray with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a blessed Easter Sunday.